Hi, I'm Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, hosts Casey Seymour and Aaron Fintel of Moving Iron LLC talk tillage and how tillage trends have shifted over the years. Let's jump in on their conversation now. This week, Aaron and I are going to sit down and talk about probably one of the one we don't talk about it near enough. I don't think people in the industry talk about it near enough. It's just one of those things that just happens. It's it's yeah. talked about real hot and heavy for like yeah a week yeah. in November and a week in March. Yeah, <laughs> and there's there's two things that come along with it. You know, we're going to talk about fall tillage. Obviously, fall fall tillage has two big components. One, obviously, the tillage piece into the tractor that comes with it right correct so are you are you doing some deep ripping are you doing just some some light you know and just knocking the corn stalks down and, and doing some residue management whatever you're whatever you're doing in the fall um you put in hydros down you put whatever you know strip tilling whatever you're doing in the fall that requires a, a level of horsepower exactly and each one of those things has a different level of horsepower so whenever one thing that we will do here um, is that when you hear Easy E, you are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. I love the soundboard, dude. So, once you hear Easy E come on, bit. just a little bit. So, when you hear Easy E come on, we're, we're gonna we're gonna lay down what we think is is what's going on in, in in the industry. So, Aaron, if you were to take a hard look at tillage practices and how they've changed um, from the time you started in this business to where we're at now. What's one of the biggest things you've seen change in the fall? This would be more, I guess, my experience would be Western Corn Belt, you know, in that, right? holy shit, 20-some years. Um, But what I I have seen the most of is it happening. Yeah. There used to be very little activity in the fall. Right. Mainly, uh, other than I can remember – you know, you had certain parts of Kansas, Nebraska, a little bit of Dakota, um, Iowa guys doing a lot of fall gas and hydro. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's always been kind of a thing. Always been, you know, in, in that in certain parts of the world. Um, but in, in other areas, you know, it used to be, of course, you you look back twenty years. There's less farmers, but bigger farmers and less diversification. So 20, 25 years ago, you had guys that, you know, you had more of the thousand, 500 to thousand guy that had cows and sure. he yeah. needs them stocks. Right. Or, you know, even this <laughs> 2000 acre guy, he don't have cows, but the neighbor does and the neighbor needs stock. So right. you're, that has a big impact on it you know, fall stock grazing. If you're in that part of the world, certain right. parts of the world, yeah. there are other parts of the world that just does not exist, you right. know, ne- yeah. never, never going to, and hasn't for half a century probably. Right. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. Something you and I've talked about on here a lot is the fads of tillage. Yeah. You know, so, I can remember when I first started and I was in central Nebraska. And there's nothing more fad related and agriculture than tillage. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's the devil. It's the best thing. Right. You got to do shallow. You got to do deep. You got to go slow. You got to blaze across. It just depends on what is hot that day. Right? The way you finish is really important. 
Yeah. You, know, you get the crown blur, don't you? Have the crown blur. Right. Exactly. You, got a, you got a Hera behind it. But not only that, is it a flat bar crown blur or a round bar? Right. Do you have a Hera? Yeah. A Hera. Hera. You know what I mean? It, two different things. That's right. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> they just look the same. <laughs> but, um, you know, I can remember in late 90s, early 2000s, there, Ridge still was Ridge Till was still hanging on, yeah. You know, in in big areas, so there, that was the anti fall tillage that world because we got to save them ridges, you know. But I different products, you know, like the rolling choppers, they were the hot shit sure. back then, and and there would be some guys that would do that in the fall. They don't work very good in the fall because the corn's too too tough yet, needs winter to decomp, but. There'd be some of that. There'd be some guys doing like them, them stunt pullers, you know, sure. them yeah. V-shaped display deals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, I've seen a lot of different stuff in the last 20, 25 years, but fall, you know, I would say for darn sure, Western Corn Belt, we don't do, you know, like the, the ice state thing so much, the disc ripper and right you know, get out there and heave it all up, mix it up and flip it over in this part of the world. It seems like, you know, w w we do a lot of fall ripping in line. Sure. You yeah. know, just in line rippers and right done. There's a slit in the ground. That's all we did. Right. So I don't know. I mean, there, there's a little bit of everything, but I have seen that fall turn it black slowly move west mm -hmm. to the <laughs> slow, slowly move out of the rain country right just to try and handle residue right you know we're That's we're talking 25 <laughs> years ago 200 was right on mm -hmm. you know now it better be three right you know so you're doing a 50 percent bump in yield production you get more residue with that populations increase you know all that stuff so there's a lot of lot of trash to handle. Yep, I, I think the one the one part of the tillage discussion out here in our neck of the woods where we're at is that we do fall tillage. I'm not saying that we don't do fall tillage, but so much of that corn stock is is one of two things. One, they just come through and swath it and windrow it and bale it and leave the the, the root stubble into the ground yet. And then they come back in the fall and they they turn or the spring and turn it over and, and do what they're going to do then right before they go into plant or they come in with a you know vertical till or something like that where they're trying to mix it mix it up as much as they can but cut that stock just big enough that hopefully it stays between the rows right you know now most people that met made a vt tool i want you to come out here to western nebraska in the, in the winter time and i want you to, to stay in the field in January, when the wind's blowing 50 miles an hour, and tell me how much of that corn stock is staying where it needs to stay. Right. You know what I mean? Not much. Not very much, right? So it's it's one of those things where there's different schools of thought on what we're doing. Now, typically, in a normal year, we have a lot more snow cover to keep stuff in place, you know, a lot more moisture to keep stuff in place longer. But Once upon a time. Once upon a time. The last couple of winters have been, have been pretty rough. Now we get our snow cover to keep it in place. Yeah. Right before we plant. Right before we plant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's our pre-plant snow. <laughs> so we'll see. Hopefully we'll see a little bit of that change. 
um, this uh, this winter that we get some more of that that snowpack to kind of keep things in place and, and in check. So, but Ooh, all all that being not, said, not snowpack. We we don't want snowpack. Snow cover. Snow cover. Yeah. Pack whatever. But, I, yeah. I don't need no damn snowpack or you can bring a shovel. Just just during <laughs> all we need snowpack for is, is uh during pheasant season and then they can they can melt all the way. No, nobody that. cares. People have livestock. We got shit to do. Well, you got sheep. Does that count as livestock? Yes. Okay. I didn't know, man. I'm it's the other this. red meat. I'm new to this. I eat lamb. I don't hashtag eat lamb. I'm new to this whole thing. I didn't I didn't know what that what it was. So but anyway. Oh goodness. So watching that transformation come across now the other side of that too is just you made a good point. As operations have gotten bigger or tillage practices have changed, your 350 horsepower row crop tractor has a limitation to how big of an inline inline ripper it can it can absolutely up, right? how big of a VT it can move. How I mean so now you start looking at the the birth of the four wheel drive to me, and this is where you and I have had this conversation on here a lot about four wheel drives and what's that look like? Is that the new row crop tractor? And I think in a lot of situations that row crop tractor used to be kind of limited to that that uh bigger bigger three-point mounted implement whatever that might be but now if you take a look at what's going on with that that four-wheel drive you see a bigger opportunity now for you know a lot more versatility with that piece of equipment other than just a tillage tractor or just a this or just a that a lot of cases that's your planting tractor a lot because especially when you start looking at 24 row planters and bigger right i mean to maintain that high speed that you need to maintain unless you're just on flat bottom ground right you know if you got any kind of a hill at all you're, you're going to struggle with with your typical row crop tractor right now if you've got if you've got a you need the horsepower to go up the hill eight miles an hour and you know you don't need the horsepower to go down the hill right yeah so you're seeing some of that you're seeing more um you know deep tillage that deep break up the hard pan right. type of tillage is really starting to come back into play. Obviously. Well, and that's imperative. I mean, you, you can do whatever you want on top, but until you do something about that hard pan, you're only going to get so far. But I think what I was, my point I was making is I think the hard pan is getting deeper. No, you right. I mean? right. Like where it used to be six or eight inches. Now it's like, yes, you might be eight to 10 inches. Right. You know what I mean? So you really have to get on, really get in there and do exactly. it. So I think those kind of things are, are making a bigger, I was just making a fat stating a fact about hard pan was all it wasn't. Yeah. That was good though. I like that. That was good. But I was trying to feel needed as all. <laughs> so, so if you have, yeah, well that stuff in play, then all of a sudden now you have a bigger opportunity to use that four wheel drive in a, in a wider expanse on your farm. Right. right. You see four wheel drives kind of start to make that turn and then they quickly retreat back to kind of where they were on uh, as a as a preferred tractor in in operations and then you see them kind of rush back up to that to that cusp for if, if yeah you know, and then they come back you know and you've never seen the full on adoption of a four wheel drive i think where the adoption of the full on four wheel drive has come into play where they're going to use a four wheel drive to plant and till and grain cart and you know running down the list of things. It's the with. tractor. It's the tractor, and it's it's guys that have grown, you know, that have you know gone from X to Y, and they you know they've made a massive leap in in the number right. of acres that they cover. 
I think those are the guys that we see doing that. And then we still see some. Well, and, and those guys, everything they have is 40. If that's yes. something 40 foot, that's little. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, so everything on the yard takes 500 horse. Yeah. And especially with the birth of, of the high speed stuff. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of guys. What a that, horsepower drain. Yeah. Whew. You got guys that, that would run a 35 foot disc. And now the old ads of thumb, you know, it's. 10 horsepower per foot type of thing. You know, got 35 foot distance. Through. Divided by 0.75 and that's what you get for high speed. Right. <laughs> yeah. So now, so now you're doing the same thing, but it's just, you, you, you probably need, so 10, you need 15 or 18 horsepower yeah. to make that happen. So those, those, all those things start to come into play and, and what that looks like. So now you start coupling that together um, and you're going, so now you're going faster and you're going deeper. You, your horsepower requirements are going to go higher. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. Both both of those indicators take a substantial amount of power. And that's what she said. That is. I know that's where you're going with that. It, I, I couldn't help it. I've been with teen sons all weekend. <laughs> right on. All right. So looking at that, because, I mean, that's that's the one thing that that we saw happen pretty early in, in this in this transition this period that we're in right now is where a lot of new tillage got sold yeah for a couple of reasons one there was a lot of old age tillage whether it was a mainline manufacturer or a short line manufacturer there was a lot of really aged tillage that was hanging around yep and guys started pricing new ones a new one was 25 percent more expensive than the one sitting on the ground and it does the exact same thing i'll just take the one that's here right save some money and and start playing that game so I guess I mean as you're looking around right now, what's what's the one piece of equipment on from a tilt perspective that you see guys really kind of banging the drum about? It it's it's pretty early. So there's not a lot of that going on yet. But one thing that I have noticed that's maybe brakes have pumped a little bit is the the high speed world has kind of calmed down a little bit. It used to be if you had one, it was gone and mm-hmm. Name your price. I need it. Get it here, and that's kind of that's kind of calmed down quite a bit. Is that because is that has it gone back to being? I want to talk to you about my tillage needs. Late late fall, early spring. Mm, no, because I know I know a lot of guys that have those, and they use it twice. They'll use it in the fall, mm-hmm. get some decomp going, and then they'll use it pre-plant. Right. Um, I think. The biggest factor to it might be that we're finally, and and it's kind of funny because since that has blown up, you know, the the ag economy was going down as it blew up, and then enter the shit show, shortage, supplied, all that stuff. So once that once that came into the picture, you know, availability becomes an issue for the last what three years or whatever and you just pile all these things on top ram it's what we're seeing in everything else right now that that's what started it you know right basically that market that's what that's what really got it going and i think maybe to the point now there's enough machines out there that it's maybe calmed down a little bit but i will say this you see a lot of 40s on the market 
And that, what did we just say? They take a shitload of horsepower to pull that right. big of a high speed. Yeah. You don't see 25s don't don't last very long. 30s don't last very long. Yep. You get over 30. Well, yeah. They yeah, kind of sit, yeah. but you know, if that was a say that's a five-year-old rig, you know, that's probably been to its its new buyer had it two three years he rolls everything every time you know and then it went to the other guy and now he bought a new one because of the markets and it might be on its third home and that's where you run into trouble because that customer segment can't pull it right so drop the wings and make three out of it <laughs> right so what well, there's this is one thing i've always thought about we talk about combines and reconditioning points. We talk about tractors and reconditioning points. We talk about planters and reconditioning points, those kind of things. The thing about a, a, a piece of tillage is that there's really, I mean, there's really no, I don't, you know, air quotes here, no real reconditioning. Either you're replacing bearings and you're replacing discs or you're not. Right. If you're, if there's a, if there's something, an issue with one of the wings or something like that, where you've got some kind of a, an issue there that's more of a damage issue than it is a right you know what i mean it's like you you've hit something with it or or yep. whatever i mean you might have a wheel a, rock shaft yeah, or something. something like that i mean you might have a pivot point that goes bad or something like that i mean i get all that but <clears throat> but but normally the reconditioning points on piece of tillage equipment i mean that is so wildly varying oh yeah you know what i mean that well, and I, I always, and this is just my person. This is kind of how I am with everything, but especially tillage. I, I don't know that you would ever touch a piece of tillage equipment. You budget for, you know, budget for reconditioning. Sure. Right. But don't actually do it because that disc in March is a great disc, but if it don't sell for whatever reason, Nobody wants that damn thing in May. And if you hold on to it, then it's been here a year and then it's trouble and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. So I think you, you, you always budget for it, but don't touch it. Right. Wash it off, make it presentable. Be like here, you know, it's awesome. Disc 1435 needs blades. Here's my price. I'll give you blades. Right. Don't do it. You can't afford no, you can't afford to the shop. Joe, Joe Blow Farmer doesn't want us to spend $150 an hour to reblade a sure. disc. Oh, yeah. That's he doesn't want that. We don't want that. So mm-hmm. you budget for it and send with. Right, I'll disagree that we, we want that. That's a that's a huge well yeah. huge profit center yeah. for our parts and service part. But I think I think that at the end of the day, when when you really if it's it sold and the customer is paying for it, we want that. Yeah, absolutely. But I, th- I think the the difference between like hours on a combine or a tractor or acres on a plane or those kind of things where they start to come into play is acres on a planter. They they they're kind of an even relative thing, right? Right. Acres on a piece of tillage equipment now there's guys out there that that bury it to the frame and there's guys out there that just cut six inches right? as dave says if we're gonna <laughs> disc we're gonna disc 
You look out there, that guy, is he pulling something out there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there. I see it popping up for every once in a while. <laughs> I mean, it's like one of those things on Why tremors. are you not making dust? So I do on tremors, you know, where it's like you see it on yeah. the ground, but then it pops up. You know, type of thing. Same kind of deal. But then you've got that customer that does that, and then you've got another customer that does another way. What their soil conditions are like play a big factor in if you're really sandy, loamy soil, you're going to put, you're going to change a lot of bearings and hardly going to change the disc, right? If you're in heavy clay, probably not going to change many bearings, but you're going to change the hell of a lot of this. Yes. You know what I mean? So, I mean, all of those things start to come into play. It's kind of like the difference between if you have 1,200 hours on a combine and all it's ever done is cut wheat, the wear on that machine is completely different than the wear if it's cut edible beans and, com- and corn. Yeah. You know, or soybeans. Or soybeans, something like that. I mean, probably at 1,200 hours, the wheat combine is just kind of knock the paint off the stuff yeah i was gonna say it's like it's like a 400 hour bean combine <laughs> but i mean so the same the same thing goes in with your tillage practice right. right i mean so whatever you're using with tillage even like the deep ripping stuff like that if you're out here and you're deep ripping your your points on that ripper are going to be completely different where than you said like back home where i'm from wichita where it's heavy 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 clay those sons of bitches will glow when yeah. you lift it out of the ground I mean, at night you really you really have got don't touch them different things yeah don't touch don't touch them right now all that being said how you recondition those things and how you do that i'm just saying i think it's more like a buyer beware type of thing when you're when you're calling on somebody you're calling on a piece of equipment in x or y understand what you're where you're what you're buying and where right like what is it because you call us and you say like oh this thing's it's been it's pretty well used in you know abc heavy clay area the thing might look pretty nice right exactly you know what i mean yep so I mean, those are the kind of things you got to take in consideration when you're calling this place understand the soil conditions and also understand the practices that you have i mean probably out here we probably tend to be a little deeper when we till because you can't oh yeah you know what i mean whereas some called else, sand yeah, someplace else where it's heavier soil you might not be that deep but you're going to get the same level of wear you know what i'm saying like you're deeper getting more friction against that 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 disc than you are if you are someplace else but it, it, it may look the same but it may not look the same so right completely different animals so i think it's just one of those things where you got to pay attention and, and understand what it is that you're doing when you're talking to talking to whoever it is that you're wanting to buy that piece from yeah i get it all right that does make sense yeah because it's just it's different it's just different it's different all right so now if you were looking at kind of the overall spectrum of the economy right now on a whole different thing now we're done we're done with all us talking about tillage but we're talking about the overall economy right now looking at the whole economy as a as a whole you know the interest rates came through fed bumped everything by a quarter percent i'm you know i'm looking to three see quarter or sorry three quarter I mean, i'm thinking about the quarter they didn't bump it that's my bad yeah. so so three quarters three quarters of a point and they come through and if you're looking at what's happening you know i'm looking to see i mean between six and a half and seven and a half percent, depending on where they were to start with and who you're getting your money from. But you're, you're going to see another half, half to full point jump in interest rates. Um, just feels like there's still enough money out there right now that that guys are, are, are ready to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it, I, I, don't, I don't feel like there's any kind of slowdown, I guess is what I'm getting. No, at. no. There it's, yeah, there's a little slowdown, but slow down from absolute batshit crazy is nothing but good. 
So, but I don't, I don't, I think everyone's got their, I don't know. The reason I'm saying nothing's slowed down is because we're still, I mean, as soon as this new stuff comes in. Oh yeah. I mean, something shows up, it's it's gone. Yeah. I I think there's going to be a, uh, I'm just interested to see how that, that goes. Right. I mean, is someone going to say, well, dude, I said yes at at two and a half or 3%. Yeah. That and I'm assigned docs at seven. Yeah. And that really hasn't been a thing yeah. recently. But I don't I don't see it being a thing to be real honest with you. No, I don't think so. I mean and until until there's two digits, I don't think it will or you're getting closer to two digits, I don't think it'll matter. I think this this go around it won't matter. Period. No. I think the next go around, it'll matter it'll a hell matter. of a lot. It'll matter. It'll matter. I have to be looking at some yeah. stuff. It'll matter a lot. We'll get back to Casey and Aaron in a minute, but first I wanted to invite you to join us virtually this December 8th and 9th for the Ag Equipment Intelligence Executive Briefing. To learn more and to register, visit agequipmentintelligence.com slash executive briefing. Now back to Casey and Aaron. Let's spend a little time talking about this. Talk about looking at your customer base and how you're going at what, who you're talking to about what and why. You know, mm-hmm. I've written, I'm writing, I'm writing a, a, a a series of articles about you know the uh, kind of the customer base, what we see now, lines of delineation, how these stuff are all coming together, and that there are more defined roles for customers than there were ever been in the past. Right, and I think a lot of that is has to do with. Um, the price of equipment, price of used equipment, right? Absolutely. I mean, those things are starting to make a, make a big play. And then you start looking at guys, you know, that have for the longest time have had the same amount of acres forever, you know, and prices have gotten to a point to where they're like, I, I can't do X, but I can do Y. Right. right? What, what are your thoughts on, having those conversation with the customer that we're done X now they're doing Y and, and building that, that same traditional um, cost of operation discussion that we would have with that one or two ro- year old guy that's rolling stuff every year, every two years, something like that, buying new rolling that stuff every year, but kind of going down to that, to that used guy and say, Hey, look, you know, we can do the same thing with you and here's what it looks like. Do you think that has a, has a, a play in the equipment business. Uh, yeah, totally. <clears throat> totally. I think it has a bigger play in the user equipment business than on the new side. It has a more beneficial play, but I don't think it's bigger. I think the new, I, I just think, well, I mean, I, get I, I think the human, the nature of humanality will, uh, trump it. Yeah. No, humanality. I didn't know that was a word. It is. It's the act of being human. Okay. Just like the Van Halen song? Yeah, humans being. That's what makes us humans being? Yeah. Right on. <clears throat> so, 5150, baby. <laughs> so, they had, they had, uh, my, my thought process on that is very little. But <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who you ask, but yeah. They have, uh, I, I think my, my thought on that is that if you have a, your, Customer base that you deal with traditionally on the use equipment side, 
that are traditional used equipment buyers, they have a roll cycle just like everybody else does. Yeah, every so often, yeah. hours or age. Some guys that are really dialed into the marketplace, come hell or high water, every three years they're getting an X or every five yeah. years they're getting a Y. And they're doing that. I, I think there's a place where you can sit down with the conversation because the reason they're doing that is there is a cost of operation that they have figured out that fits their their operation. Yeah. Right. Right. They're not just doing that because dollars. Yeah, you, you know, it's like like me with computers, right? Every every three years, every two years I get a new computer. And the reason for that is I, I I can maintain I can buy the exact same computer. Or I'm sorry, I can I can get the exact same price on the computer that I got two years ago. That's like five times the computer that I got this time. Because the way technology rolls in now. Tractors work that way too. No, they don't. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've not seen that model work yet. Not, not yet, not yet. Now, you could argue to some extent that as the price of tractors have gone up, so has the level of efficiency with varying levels of technology. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, you now, can argue that all day. I mean, you'll you'll get the guy on here like I'm buying the exact same tractor with the horsepower that it was five. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you get those same guys to do that. But well, and those guys aren't using the tech; they just want the tractor, right? And I think that's where, you know, so I think those where are, those are my people, I think where I'm going with this conversation is I think as I look at the overarching kind of momentum of the farm equipment business is that and how it affects humanality. Yeah. Humanality. That's a nice word though. That's totally made up, but that's it's not, it's freaking made up, <laughs> but they have, <laughs> As you're looking at this this overarching kind of thing with with what we see going on here, the bolt-on technology to me is the greatest differentiator in the value of the actual nuts and bolts of a machine. No, it's part of, but it's not greatest. So if I can sell you a tractor today, and I can promise, I can tell you for the next ten years, you can run this this powertrain, engine, transmission, rear end mechanical front, whatever it is you got, right? You run you run all of that. And I can tell you that over the next 10 years, whatever comes out, new, latest and greatest and whatever, you can put on that machine. What functionality, what, what reason do you need to upgrade your tractor? Hours. Age, depreciation. Uh, bottom line, your financial your financial position lots of things got to burn cash burn cash by, by updating the technology that's on it well how damn much is the technology gonna cost man well i'm just saying like you can take like a, let's take a let's use a sprayer for example right if you have a 2015 r 4045 right so use that for example I can take that machine and I can take off everything about the machine, right? Cab, chassis, powertrain, all that stuff. And I can make it a exactly brand new, exactly what we have to offer today. Like a glider, like a semi-glider kit. <laughs> I don't know Basically. what that is. What is that? They'll take like a new truck with no engine and transmission in it. Right. And then throw like an old 500 cat in it that is like tier two. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Like a, but yours is like backwards of that. Yeah. Mine is you keep, you, you run the same already R4045. You're making a 4440, a 6175R. 
Yes. You're taking like a. Without any of the tin. And, so you can take like an excursion, right? Yeah. And you take the. You light it on fire and go, why in the hell did I buy a Ford? <laughs> you take an excursion and you take the body off and you get, you go down to your local Ford dealership and say, I want a 2022 rolling chassis. Yeah. And I'll set this one back over top of it. And then I've got, I got a brand new. You got brand new problems. I got a brand new badass machine. Right. So you have that. You got a brand new thing to walk home from. But the difference between that is now you take your, you know, think about it. Think about 15 years down the road from now. You have a 2022, 2020, 2020, you know, uh, whatever, R4060, right? And whatever the latest and greatest technology is, you've upgraded that along the way. And you've, you just maintain the powertrain of what you got. Okay. So what's the benefit of you going out and buying a brand new machine if you just have to maintain the powertrain of what you got? Age, hours, got to spend money for taxes. But I'm upgrading the technology stuff that comes along with it. Why are you trying to not sell machinery? That's what I'm worried about. We're not Dell. <laughs> We're not we, working at dude, Gateway. I'm dude, not sending out Holstein boxes. I'm going to tell you right now, we are. We are turn, This industry is going to turn to that. It's, Especially you know what? when you get to an autonomous vehicle. We're going to. Yeah, here we go. I I'm just gonna sit around and wait till the Mayan apocalypse. They were off a little bit. It's all this technology is gonna like implode. No, I I know that. They were wrong, is what I'm getting at. This this technology is gonna like implode the world and the rest of us will be sitting here with our sound guards going, Who wants to rent some ground? I got no electronics. Sure. Yeah, when there's a a uh, EMP attack and uh see. Those exactly. kind of things. Sure. Electromagnetic sure. pulse. And I've got I've got a cache of, of stuff out in the hills here that I'm gonna go I'm gonna go out there and fashion when I get Exactly. Them. Yeah. Exactly. I'm gonna start a uh, a colony of, of sort. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna do that. I like to call mine a compound. I just give it the full the full See, brunt. Colony really makes you feel good on warm on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. I that's why I like compound. It is what it is. Until you show bring up. your ammo belt and come yeah. on down. Bring your linked ammunition. Let's go out. Let's go have some fun. <laughs> Southwest Towers open. We need a guard. <laughs> but uh, that's that's something I've I've been thinking about a little. Yeah, bit. I I do get it. I mean, and you're right. That's a hundred percent where we're going to. I've had guys call on combines, and if it says it's got an activation, it don't. They're upset, you know. And to me, I'm like. Yeah. It's not like I told you it's got duels and it's got singles. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's like the salesman didn't check the right damn box. Yeah. And it don't have activations. Well, I don't want it. Like, well, it's better than hand shelling, I guess. Well, yeah. We got one of those in the store. <laughs> the crank thing, you run the cob through and it does the thing. But, I mean, to me, I think, I, I really think that's the direction that we're headed. Yeah. Is that we're we're just going ag is going so incredibly over the top tech heavy compared to the rest of the world from zero to ninety. Sure. I mean, yeah. When I got into this business was when you could buy Trimble. And oh you, yeah. You could put it on one of two different body style makes of tractors. Sure. And it was fifty five thousand dollars because I can drive straight. The uh, conversations that I used to have with guys about that when I first got in this business was, ah, 
rich man's tool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a toy. I I I can't afford that business. That's just one of those things. I mean, hell, you got markers. And oh uh, yeah, you do. You got markers. Yes, you do. And then guys go out and use it, and they realize, hey, I, I actually, for the money that it cost me to get it, I I actually. And they, well, and and the biggest thing that helped that I think as you get into the, excuse me, the middle of the ag economy mm-hmm. is the strip till portion. Re, the, oh, re, sure. the repeatability. Repeatability, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, your your WAS or your subscription, they're great, but there's not many guys that are truly getting the benefit of it, other than you're not nearly as tired. Holy shit, it's a huge difference. Right. You're getting a quality of life from it, and you can't really put a dollar amount on that. But the the bigger portion of it is when as long as you're full bore RTK, and I'd say we're probably what eighty percent RTK out here, at least. Got to be more than that. Ninety, ninety-seven point three percent. Okay, it, it's for that repeatability. Yeah. Once you go down that road, pays for itself super quick. You know, if you're doing strip till and you're back on that yeah. strip, bam, one. You know, the only reason we wouldn't have RTK somewhere is because we don't have an RTK tower up someplace. Oh uh, yeah, but I mean, you got some. If guys who don't strip till, you know, they're working ground and planting and harvesting, and that's what they do. They out here, most of them have RTK, right? But nationally, that's like an SF3 guy. Dude, I bet you nationally, SF3 guy is the guy that just can't get access to an RTK tower. Mm, maybe. So, like the Starfire 7000 comes out, and you don't need towers anymore. And you've got you're working off of all the various constellations, whether it's Golanos or whatever the other two are called. I forget off the top of my head, but you know you got the Big Dipper and Little Dipper. <laughs> you got these different constellations out there, man. And or is it Orion's Belt? And you're driving down the road now. You don't you don't need a tower. Your repeatability is 300 GPS satellites that are triangulating down, triangulating down to your one where you're at. You're getting after it. To me, it's, that's that's another that's another example of bolt on technology. Okay, sounds good, man. I, I just to me, I just think that's where we're headed, where we're going, and I think we're there to a point. I, I think it'll be there. I think it'll be a bigger deal when Reichert Bridge, Reichert Bridge, Reichert Bridge. That's that thing it's falling down, falling <laughs> down. Falling no, that's down. that deal you put on like fence challengers to run deer guidance you uh, okay. put it on red tractors to run deer guidance okay there you go casey mm-hmm. i know of guys who are agco is a day as long and who are case ih is a day as long but they got operation center they okay. got all that shit because they love that yellow globe they're you know yeah. they don't care about the green iron they like that yellow globe yep so I think I think we're going to see that. And I think more as more as as more autonomy comes into play, the powertrain of what we're doing, especially when stuff goes to electric, then you're talking about stuff that lasts a lot longer than traditional combustion engine type stuff. I mean, there's less breakdown. There's less. Well, there's less breakdown, but there's less componentry that makes that makes that a, a hindrance, if you will. Right? Mm-hmm. So, 
Nobody has overhauled a Prius. <laughs> Not yet. And so I think that when when horsepower just becomes But when they do, they'll find an old one ten Honda out in the trees, old three wheeler, and throw that some bitch in there. <laughs> yeah. Meet you at the drag strip. Yeah. I always think when I think about this, you ever watch that movie? Hugh Jackman's in it and there's like robots and they fight. Yeah, what is that called? I can't remember what it's called. But the whole concept The boys love to when they were little. The whole concept of that thing is you have these super huge, you know, ad, you know, technologically advanced fighting robots, and this guy finds this this robot in the in the scrap heap. The forty four thirty robot. That's kind of where I'm thinking about this is because you can take a forty four thirty chassis and tra- powertrain and everything else and, and make it into the oh, latest and greatest. I mean, if you really oh, think about damn. it. Yeah, if you yeah. really think about it. Welcome to open skies. Look at what we can do. You can take whatever and, and turn it into whatever. But see, here's the, the thing. Problem. Nobody's going to spend the R&D to do, develop any of that kind of shit. But I don't think there's any R&D to develop. I think it's already exists. It's just a hydraulic. It's a hydraulic block that you plug into your hydraulic system that steers things the way it's supposed to steer. I mean. It's, I know, but you're talking about like the the rolling chassis and update everything around it type deal. Initially, that's what you're talking about. Sure, but it, it, there's like the old, uh, like I said, here. you're turning a 4440 into a 6175R. Nobody's gonna make the kit or any of that shit to do that. Well, they made that kit. They might then. make a 6175R, a 6180R. They made right, the kit for the 4440 back in like 2005. It's called Easy Steer, right? You put Easy oh, Steer with, yeah. with, uh, with True. Uh, what's that thing called? The, the, you had to stay between the two the two things. Light bar? Light bar, yeah. And so that's. You that's don't have that. It's on there, but. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. the idea is that if you, you know, it's gonna like the old Outback, 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 yeah, guidance. outback guidance. So, I mean, the same concept there where you can take that particular generation of machine and you don't need to have. The hydraulic thing you got a uh, a thing that spins the wheel right right so i mean in theory or like an a atu sure three three hundred or whatever so now you've got in theory you could take a 50 year old powertrain and make it do everything the new tractor can do do we get to do that what do you mean i got seven years and i'll be 50 my my powertrain will be 50 Hip replacements and I need, I need some updated tech. Yeah. Good heavens. So, anyway, all right. Good place to stop. I think we've kind of hit that point there. So, Aaron, folks, want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you got going on. What's the best way to do that? Smoke signal, Pony Express. Right. Uh, what are them birds called? Homing pigeon. Homing pigeon. Yes, sir. With a little message on its leg. Sure. Now, in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're kind of landlocked. The North Platte gets kind of low, so you might get stuck somewhere between here and Lost. It might, it might take a minute for that message in a bottle to get to Boston <laughs> County, but somehow. No, uh, I'm on the socials. Uh, Aaron Fennell on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, just at Aaron Fennell. Um, email Fintel at movingironllc.com or... Best way, call me or text me, 308-760-1193. Right on. I am Casey Seymour. You can find me at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can find me at uh, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. You can check out the video version of this podcast on the Moving Iron YouTube channel called Moving Iron YouTube channel. Pretty pretty original. Dude, great yeah. job. Pretty pretty original. Hell yeah. Came through with that one. Real good. Um, 
You can also go to movingironllc.com and you can check out everything Moving Iron related, blog posts, you know, all the good stuff, plus all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, 6th, 7th, and 8th of September. If you're interested in doing that, you really need to get signed up because that's uh, that's rapidly filling up and uh, getting really close to selling the this, this sucker out. So Booyah. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking forward to doing that, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com, or you can just click in the upper right-hand corner, Moving Iron Summit tab, bring down and just click the uh, registration tab and you can get sign up there so if you're a dealer of any kind by all means well worth coming we've got deer guys case guys agco guys Kubota guys you name it they all come so check it out so if you're interested in doing that check that out there uh good friend of ours alex chichenko is fighting a good fight over there in ukraine he's hauling uh humanitarian aid between poland and wherever it needs to go in ukraine he sent me a video the other night of air raid sirens going off and stuff flying around in the air in the middle of the night. So uh, he, he's in the middle of the uh, of the stuff there. If you uh, War zone. Yeah, he's getting after it. So you want to help him out, there's a show link or a link in the show notes. Check that out. Or you can go to his uh, GoFundMe page, which is Help Alex Transport Humanitarian Aid from Poland to Ukraine, and uh, you can help him out there. So with that, I am Casey Seaman with my good friend, A-R-R-O-N, A-R-O-N, Fentel. So with that, let's come with some iron folks out. Thanks, Casey and Aaron, for sharing your conversation with us. You can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Aaron, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.